0: I will be the first person to tell you that I am truly and completely addicted to coffee. These kids, no coffee and yet it's so perky. It is the very first thing I do every single morning. I do it in a kind of zombie-like state. I know all the steps without actually having to turn my brain on. Do you like coffee, Genie? No, I don't want any. <sniffs> Besides Being just my own personal addiction, coffee is a plant that transformed the world. It's a plant that helps people everywhere become human beings each morning. It is a plant that is sold in nearly every grocery store across the entire globe. And for decades, the place at the center of this essential coffee trade, this essential coffee explosion was a building in Brazil. Its official name was Bolsa Oficial de Café, but it became known as the Coffee Palace. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, the celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're taking a trip to the epicenter of Brazil's coffee boom. We are headed into the Coffee Palace after this. along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hey, Earwolf Team Coco and Stitcher listeners. It's me, Ashley Ray, and I'm here to tell you about a special collection of podcasts in honor of Women's History Month. From TV I Say with yours truly, Significant Others with Liza Powell O'Brien, and Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer, we are excited to celebrate all women who are part of the Sirius XM podcast family. So let's toast to these women-led hosts and listen on Amazon Music. Legend has it that the very first coffee beans to make their way into Brazil we're at the center of a love triangle. A Portuguese sergeant was stationed in French Guiana, and he was tasked with smuggling these coveted beans into Brazil. And so he got cozy with the wife of a local politician, and she gifted him a bouquet laced with coffee seeds. According to the legend, these would become the very first seeds of Brazil's booming coffee industry, an industry that would transform the country. Whether or not this legend is true, coffee arrived in Brazil in the early 1700s. And the place where the spark really began was the port city of Santos.
1: Santos was the provincial port.
0: Ian Reed is a professor of Latin American Studies at Soca University of America. He spent a lot of time in Santos, and he did much of his graduate work there. Santos is about an hour and a half outside of Sao Paulo, Today, it is one of the largest, busiest ports in the world.
1: Santos transformed from a kind of backwater minor port into this port of global importance. And the reason for that was that ubiquitous drink that we all, at least I do, enjoy almost on a daily basis, coffee.
0: Workers grew coffee in the highlands, which were inland away from the port, and then transported it down to
1: Santos. Santos was the port. So not only did the coffee need to be brought into town, but it had to be unloaded, stored, and put into ships, right? But there was a lot of important business around coffee that occurred in Santos, and that, that's where we get to the Bolsa or the coffee exchange.
0: The Bolsa Oficial de Café was built in 1914. It was frequently called the Bolsa Or the Coffee Exchange. But sometimes they gave it a grander title, the Coffee Palace.
1: It is palatial. It is palatial. I mean, it's an impressive building. It's very elegant. It's in a very grand building with these kind of eclectic architecture of the building, some neoclassical.
0: There is this grand, towering, 120 foot tall clock tower. It's flanked by statues of Ceres, the goddess of agriculture, and Mercury, the god of commerce. There are these stunningly detailed stained glass windows above the entryway and the ceiling. And there are inlaid marble floors, paintings by the Brazilian artist Benedito Callisto. It's the kind of place that is so opulent that it looks like it was built just for show.
1: But when you go into it, you really start to see that it served a purpose, Right. Because ringing the central space, uh, it was sometimes called the auction room, are chairs. I think there's about 50 of them, almost like mini thrones. And this is where these commissioners sat and traded with each other.
0: This auction room, this circle of chairs, that is where all the coffee action happened. It was here where traders set the price of coffee beans, beans that would transform Brazil's economy. Basically, this room was the financial heart of Brazil, the coffee-specific version of the New York Stock Exchange.
1: These buyers and sellers were not only setting prices for themselves, of course, but the prices that they were setting would then affect the global prices of coffee. Well, let's say 1920, someone buying a cup of coffee in, in New York or New Orleans, the price of that coffee in some ways was being influenced by the activities occurring in this building.
0: The story of coffee in Brazil is often framed as one of celebration. Coffee brought enormous wealth to Brazil, and many, many fortunes were made from this plant. But, unsurprisingly, there is, of course, a darker side to that history.
1: As much as we celebrate Santos and its coffee, Santos was a very, very important place for the the enslavement of people um, torn and and violently removed from Africa. And many of these enslaved people worked on coffee. So there's a dark underbelly to the history of, of coffee in Brazil, and you can certainly find that in Santos.
0: Slavery wasn't abolished in Brazil until 1888. And just like in the U.S., many of the streets in the city of Santos are named after prominent enslavers. The names of the enslaved people are far less known. But in his research, Ian found at least one example.
1: So in 1865, there was an enslaved man named Paulo, who we don't know much about him except that he was about 60 years old. He was born in Africa, had survived the Middle Passage across the Atlantic. But what's interesting about Paulo and the very little that we know about him was that his, um, his enslaver was actually not an individual, but was a company. And the company was called Verguera and Company.
0: Verguero was an important name in Brazil. He was a politician, and he pushed through some of the first support for immigration into Brazil. He also owned a plantation and would do almost anything to get people to work on it. One of those people was Paulo.
1: But it just goes to show how interconnected um, this history is between coffee and slavery. I don't think that Brazil would have risen to the position that it did, in which it, in many ways, it controlled the global coffee market without slavery. There's a debt owed, an enormous debt owed.
0: Records don't show much about Paulo. But we do know that one day, he was transported to a hospital in Santos, and that a few days after that, he died.
1: And so men like Paulo represent that kind of still, I think, untold history and really a history that affords at this point no real redemption um, or reparation. It's a tragic but uh, fascinating aspect of the history. And the same kind of commissioners like Vergero and company would go on several decades later to be around those uh, high-backed chairs in what is really um, a magnificent space of the the coffee palace. So these are the the threads of history that we still see in Brazil.
0: The coffee palace was an active trading floor for nearly 40 years, from 1914 until it closed in 1950. What happened then? wasn't all that dramatic. There was no big collapse, no key misstep. The world of
1: coffee just got a little bit bigger. Brazil lost its kind of world grip on coffee. Other rivals and competitors in other parts of the world developed their coffee plantations and industries and became quite famous for high-quality coffee. And um, they edged Brazil off of that kind of very powerful position.
0: Today, the Coffee Palace is a museum. There's old equipment. There are scales and sacks and tasting tables. And of course, downstairs
1: is a coffee shop. As a graduate student, I would spend all day in the archives, which is only two blocks away, and about midday, um, I would often walk over there and get my um, cafezinho con leche, which is uh, the traditional coffee. Basically, that is a macchiato. Ian says that maybe he didn't realize it at the time, but on those long
0: days of studying, he was not just drawn to the coffee palace for the cafezinho that the museum served. There was something else about the place that called to him.
1: It embodied, it It held the kind of history that so fascinated me.
0: Within the Coffee Palace, there are twin histories of Brazil, intimately intertwined with each other. There's a history of pride, wealth, and the ascension of a city and a country. There's also the history of the enslavement of people like Paulo and so many others, the people on whose backs the entire industry was built. Both histories are true. Both reside within the walls of the coffee palace. A lot of Ian's scholarly work focuses on the history of enslavement, hierarchies, and egalitarianism. There is a link to his work in our show notes. This episode was produced by Johanna Mayer. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes
1: Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney.
0: Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Dylan Thurst. Wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Hello, I'm Brian Cox. I'm Robin Ince, and this is the Infinite Monkey Cage trailer for our brand new series. We've got mummies, we've got magic, we've got asteroids. Mummies, magic and asteroids. What's the link? That it was an asteroid that magically went over the world that led to Imhotep the mummy coming back to life? That's correct. I <laughs> thought it would be. weird as scientific as ever. But the most important thing to know is
1: that we are going to deal with the biggest scientific question we finally ask, what is better, cats or dogs?
0: Listen wherever you get your podcasts.